WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, January 8th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. High 44, and then tonight and overnight, a few passing clouds, low 33. And then Tuesday, another storm system moves in. This is going to be all rain, though. Showers in the morning, steady rain in the afternoon, some high winds as well. The high on Tuesday, 49. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 33 partly cloudy in Rye up in Westchester County. 36 partly cloudy in Bordentown down in New Jersey. And it is 36 with a few clouds outside our Midtown studios. The um, the welcome to the new week begins with some toll hikes today. This is kind of fun. I mean, you won't likely notice it right away because it's all easy pass. And even if you don't have easy pass, then they take pictures of your license plate and send you a bill. But a 63 cent hike for the Port Authority crossings in New Jersey and New York. And you're saying, well, 63 is not a lot, but it does add up. So the toll for Easy Pass users will increase by about 4.3%. So it was $15.38. Now it'll be $14.75 during peak hours, which is when most of you are using these crossings, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., um, off-peak drivers will see the price go up by 4.9%. A driver saying, hey, okay, 63 cents a day. Uh, you add that up, and then you throw in congestion pricing, and we're going to be paying a whole lot of money to come into the city. Right now is not the time that everyone needs to spend a little extra money, but um, I know the city has to do what they have to do. People are getting hit hard. There's a lot of people out of work now, and people that are traveling to work, back and forth to work, you know, they've got to pay a little bit more, and their salaries are just not meeting it. Yeah, it does add up. The new rates, they say, are based on inflation determined by the Consumer Price Index increase of 3.7% from September of 2022 to September 2023. That's how the Port Authority explained it. The uh, toll hikes apply only to bridges and tunnels between the Big Apple and the Garden State, the Lincoln and Holland Tunnels, George Washington Bridge, Bayonne, Gothels Bridge, what else am I leaving out? Outer Bridge Crossing. They're all going to be charged that XT 63 cents. And so I did a little calculation and that would be about 151 bucks a year. You know, that's money out of your pocket that you're going to pay for that. On top of the fact that likely in the spring, unless some lawsuits are able to stop this, this congestion pricing thing will kick in. And New York City, the teachers union, they're now on board with this legal challenge to stop the MTA's congestion pricing plan. New York Post reports that the United Federation of Teachers is leading a lawsuit against the MTA, providing lawyers and picking up the tab for associated costs. The suit argues that the essential public servants, including teachers, would bear the burden of the MTA's new price hikes. Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella spoke about some of the other issues with the plan on WABC's Cats and Cosby. Air pollution will get worse and get progressively worse over the next 22 years, and we'll have to pay for it. 
The MTA claims the fundraising effort is necessary to make improvements across the board. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 504. The NTSB says that Alaska Airlines midair emergency Friday night could have been really tragic. Were you paying attention to this story? This is the airline that left from Portland late Friday was on its way to Ontario when just a refrigerator-sized piece of the jet just blew out. There was a kid sitting in the row right next to where it blew out. His shirt was ripped off. A 16-year-old kid, his phone went out. Other people's pieces of phones, a teddy bear, all kinds of things flying out the side of this plane. The amazing part is everybody's okay, but if the plane had been higher, it could have been much more tragic. Uh, it blew off, at, especially if it was at a higher altitude, 171 passengers on board this plane. Fortunately, they were able to fly back to Portland where they had taken off from, make this emergency landing. Here's the NTSB's Jennifer Homdy, who was in Portland yesterday beginning the investigation. Everybody's up and walking. Folks don't have seatbelts on. Uh, they're going to uh, restrooms. The flight attendants are providing service to passengers. We could have end up with, ended up with something so much more tragic and we're really fortunate that that did not occur here. Yeah, it is amazing. The FAA ordering the temporary grounding now of 171 Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes. Reaction to the incident coming swiftly with the NTSB investigating. The FAA is requiring immediate inspections of certain Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes before they can return to flight. That's NBC's Dana Griffin. Alaska Airlines immediately grounded its 737 MAX 9s for inspection. The airline says it has already checked a quarter of its fleet with no concerning findings and that aircraft will return to service as their inspections are completed with our full confidence. And all the people on board this plane, really complimentary to the flight crew. They said they did an amazing job keeping people calm with a chunk of the plane missing, wind coming in. They told people to sit in their seats, those oxygen masks coming down so people had ways to breathe. This passenger, Evan Smith, says uh, he heard the boom and he knew it wasn't good. There was, I guess, a boy and his mother were sitting in that row, and his shirt was sucked off him and out of the plane. You heard a big, loud bang to left rear rear, like in row 20, and a whooshing sound and all the oxygen masks deployed. So the flight attendants told people to make sure their seatbelts were on. They told them they were turning around the plane. They did. There were stories of people holding strangers' hands. Two stories were... Women reached out to the men next to them who were strangers when they got on the plane, and they said, uh, you know, I'm really nervous about what's going on. Hold my hand, and they did. You could see later that there was a two-window section panel that blew out. It's about as wide as a refrigerator and about two-thirds as high. We are emergency. We are depressurized. We do need to return back to. We have 177 passengers. Yeah, so people say it was calm. The plane landed. EMTs were there. They rushed onto the plane to check and see if passengers were okay. Just four, uh, four minor injuries. There were some people who needed oxygen once they got into the terminal. But there were people who actually booked on the planes just hours later. Others said, you know what, I need a break. I'll take a flight a different day. The airline, of course, says they'll refund those flights and pay for passengers to get on another one and give them money towards another flight later on. 
Uh, that's assuming those people want to get on a flight anytime soon. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to Washington, D.C. A lot of Republicans, maybe a lot's the wrong word, a number of Republicans think this is the final week they have a chance to stop Donald Trump. These are people who are Trump haters leading the charge. Liz Cheney, of course, who was in Congress, was voted out. Uh, she is warning Republicans this is their last shot before the Iowa caucuses begin and then the primary season gets underway next week to tell people that they should not vote for Donald Trump. These are people who were involved in violence against police officers in the assault on the Capitol. She's talking about the third anniversary of the Capitol riots, which was over the weekend. It's outrageous and it's disgusting for those who are attempting to enable him or attempting to further their own political careers. Yeah, she's warning that now's not the time for Trump. Uh, there are some others in the party, House Republican, who strongly disagrees with the former president's Trump praise for those who took part in the Capitol riots, still endorsing Trump in the 2024 race. We did not have the border crisis that we have now. In my district, our lives are turned upside down, and we just want to get back to normal. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. The anger that was built up by people that no longer believe in the system or what was responsible. They're talking about feeling safe in their homes. They're talking about putting food on the table, keeping their kids safe in school. Yeah, he says it's not about the third anniversary of the Capitol riots and that people are more worried about what's in their wallet or pocketbook. Uh, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, of course, she sees it differently. She v- views President Trump as part of what she calls the insurrection. He incited an insurrection. And again, that he would not stop what was going on. As his own people said, this is your legacy. Different states have different laws. We don't think in California that it it applied uh, in our state. She's talking about the fact that two states, Colorado and Maine, have ruled Trump is ineligible to appear on the ballots. Pelosi uh, did take a jab at Trump, no surprise, saying that she believes he should never be president again. A former GOP presidential candidate, his former VP, Mike Pence, speaking out over the weekend, says he's not going to endorse anybody in the race for the White House just yet. I don't put a lot of stock in endorsements. I'm not sure whether I'm going to weigh in or if and when I will. He says, though, that Republican voters should give the party a fresh start and elect new leadership. That kind of sounds like he's not a Donald Trump fan. All the good Republican voters in those uh, states will uh, give our party a fresh start and uh, give us new leadership to lead our party forward in the election and beyond. So he did have high praise for Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, called New Jersey, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie a good friend for many years, but um, he didn't say a whole lot about Donald Trump. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and frankly, Chris Christie's been a friend for many years. Yeah. And then uh, the former president, Donald Trump, taking aim at Nikki Haley as the primary enters its last uh, phase in Iowa. Trump spent the entire weekend there and uh, says he'll be there a couple days this week. That, as this new poll comes out, former President Trump holds this large lead over South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. According to this new Emerson College poll came out over the weekend, the poll finds Trump ahead of Haley by 29 points in South Carolina just eight weeks before the state. State's primary, which takes place February 24th. 512, let's go down to the U.S.-Mexico border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he's still waiting on a response to multiple letters he sent to the White House with suggestions he has regarding the southern border. I've heard absolutely nothing from the Biden administration. 
Abbott says he even personally handed letters to President Biden and Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas when they visited El Paso. Abbott has faced criticism from mayors, of course, in sanctuary cities over the busloads of migrants that he has sent there, of course, New York being one of the big ones. Outlining five things that they could do uh, that would eliminate the crisis at the border. Abbott also talking about Mayor Adams filing a lawsuit last week against the charter bus companies that have been transporting migrants to the Big Apple. The mayor wants to sue them or is suing them for $700 million to pay for the cost of the care because they transported them from the Texas to New York City. If the mayor really is trying to cut down on the number of illegal immigrants coming into New York, he needs to be suing Joe Biden. House Speaker. Mike Johnson, he was at the Texas border last week with a slew of fellow Republicans from Congress. He says he has three words to help ease the southern border crisis. Stop the flow. Louisiana Congressman uh, spoke about leading a delegation of more than 60 Republicans in Eagle Pass, Texas, at the Mexican border. Says he wants President Biden to reinstitute the Remain in Mexico policy. We're trying to administer an open fire hydrant. I don't need more buckets. I need the flow to be turned off. These are policy choices that that created this chaos, and it is thus policy choices that could change it. We're trying to administer an open fire hydrant. I don't need more buckets. I need the flow to be turned off. Yeah, so so far we haven't heard too much from the Biden administration about uh, his visit, Johnson's visit, and the Republicans' visits to the U.S.-Mexico border. 514. The CDC says a new COVID variant now accounting for more than half of the cases across the nation. As of January 5th, the Centers for Disease Control says the JN1 COVID strain makes up more than 60% of U.S. cases and is the most widely circulated COVID variant worldwide. They say it's the dominant variant now in Europe and is on the rise in Asia. Last month, the World Health Organization classified JN1 as a variant of interest but said current evidence shows risk to public health from the strain is relatively low. This as hospitals across the U.S. are telling people to mask up as flu and COVID cases are on the rise. I'm Scott Carr in Washington. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Monday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Monday. Good morning to you, Noam Lennon. Start here on the gridiron. Week 18 action in the NFL, where during the early afternoon slate in New England, the Jets snapped a 15-game losing streak against the Patriots with a 17-3 win to end off their year at 7-10 overall. One of the few bright spots for New York this season, Brees Hall rushed for a career-high 178 yards and a late touchdown in route to the win, but the real questions arose after the game regarding the Patriots and head coach Bill Belichick. Following the end to his most tenuous season as an NFL coach, it still remains very much unclear whether he'll ever do it again for New England. The home loss could have been Belichick's final game with the franchise, for which he hoisted six Lombardi trophies. He is uh, allegedly meeting with Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, today to go over his future. So we'll keep you updated on that. At MetLife, the Giants end their season at 6-11 and overall after upsetting the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 27-10, to although I'm not sure how much of an upset it really is, given how bad the Eagles are right now. Yeah, what is going on with Philadelphia? Jeez. I don't know. There's got to be something going on uh, internally because you don't just collapse uh, to this extent. Uh, you, don't, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't care if you're... You know, find, finding ways, quote unquote, to win ten games early on in the season and go ten and one overall, but to go one and five in these last six games uh, and lose in the way that they are losing is um, got to be a lost locker room. I would uh, venture to say, no, Elaine. I would venture to say. So, 
sitting pretty going into the playoffs, that is. <laughs> who do they play? <laughs> They'll get the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Oh, who, boy, that's not who good. Who beat the Panthers 9 to nothing this weekend, so... You know, I mean, you, as in terms of opponents, you can't get much. Uh, you can't draw a better card, much better card than that. I'm not slandering the Buccaneers. Very impressive season, especially from Baker Mayfield. But, but if you can't beat the Giants, you're not going to no, beat the Buccaneers. You can't beat the Giants you can't beat the card. You can't beat anybody. They're the worst team in the NFL. But now they got injuries too. <laughs> yeah, now they got injuries. <laughs> right, because you wanted to play the starters yesterday. <laughs> Was there any reason they needed to win yesterday? Went to make uh, a difference. If the Cowboys lost and they were losing early on to the Commanders, so if the Cowboys lost and the Eagles won, then the Eagles would have had the two seed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it was a disaster. Every 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 good player on the team left the game at some point. It was an absolute, <laughs> a complete and utter disaster. I, just, I enjoyed every minute, yeah. of course, well, as I'm a sure Giants fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you did. Uh, I shut it off uh, at halftime. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks to those noisemakers, Noam. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, not much uh, not much of an upset, upset at all. The Eagles, indeed, spiraling out of control heading into the playoffs. They will uh, get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, the NFC 4 seed. The rest of the NFC playoffs shakes out as follows. San Francisco gets the bye in the 1 seed, while the 2 seed Cowboys get the 7 seed uh, Packers and the 3 seed Lions draw the 6 seed Rams. In the AFC, Baltimore earns the bye in the 1 seed, while the 2 seed Bills get the 7 seed Steelers, the 3 seed Chiefs draw the 6 seed uh, Dolphins. And the four-seed Texans will host the five-seed Browns. And looking ahead to tonight at the collegiate level, we've got the granddaddy of them all to look forward to in the national championship game between number two Washington and number one Michigan. Kickoff there scheduled for 7.30 p.m. at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Michigan heads in as four-and-a-half-point favorites. On the ice at the Garden, our Timmy Panarin scored his, or and, and never mind, excuse me, that was uh, last Friday on the hardwood last night, I should say, in Brooklyn. The Nets fell to the Portland Trail. But, what? Go Birds! <laughs> that's it. That was, that, was part of, that was part of my report on Friday. Oops. <laughs> Didn't take that part out. Yeah. The Nets fell to the Portland Trailblazers by a score of 134 to 127. That's over. why you're still happy. <laughs> yeah, Justin. over the right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On the ice, no local action last night, but we do get Rangers hockey to look forward to this evening at the Garden. That's present day. They'll face off with the visiting Vancouver Canucks at 7 p.m. tonight. That's Sports Gnome on Monday here. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Oceanographers have discovered World War II era military weaponry off of the Los Angeles coast. The Scripps Institution of Oceanography at the University of California, San Diego, led a survey of the offshore areas in April using deep water vehicles with video cameras. Munitions, including anti-submarine weapons and smoke devices, were discovered. The region used to be a government-approved industrial and chemical waste dumping ground from the 1930s to the early 1970s. The Navy says officials are reviewing the findings and will determine the best path forward to make sure the risk to the environment and human health is managed appropriately. I'm Chris Caraccio. 521, let's go overseas. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says it's imperative that displaced Palestinians in Gaza be allowed to return to their homes. Palestinian civilians must be able to return home as soon as conditions allow. They cannot, they must not be pressed to leave Gaza. He held a press conference last night in Qatar denouncing calls by some Israeli officials for Palestinian resettlements outside of Gaza. Use the influence, the relationships with different parties in the region to try to avoid escalation. He's meeting with everybody in the Middle East. Blinken stressing that getting more humanitarian aid to Gaza is crucial right now. Too many Palestinian civilians are suffering from insufficient access to food, water, to medicine, to other essential supplies. These statements are irresponsible, they're inflammatory, and they only make it harder to secure a future Palestinian-led Gaza. 
So all this going on, of course, after the attack back on October 7th, the massacre inside Israel. Already, the top U.S. diplomat has visited Turkey, Jordan and Qatar, three U.S. allies that are really playing key roles in the global diplomacy around this war. That's correspondent Josh Lederman, who's been following around uh, Blinken as he meets with these leaders uh, in the West Bank for Arab nations, of course, in Israel as well. Trying to get Iran to prevent its proxies around the world uh, from escalating against Israel, such as Hezbollah, the Houthis in Yemen, and others. And of course, the talk still about these hostages that are still being held in Gaza. We don't know their condition, whether they're even alive, but that is part of the talk. Those talks have all stopped as a result of the recent assassination of a top Hamas leader uh, in Beirut. Yeah, it's looking pretty grim in the Middle East. 523, let's bring it back home. A judge has declined to immediately approve Cher's conservatorship request over her son. A Los Angeles judge ruled on Friday that Cher's legal team didn't give Elijah Blue Allman or his attorneys enough time to review the documents that they filed. The court also approved Allman's request to choose which attorneys he wants to represent him. The Grammy winner filed to be the sole conservator of her son, alleging, quote, severe mental health and substance abuse issues. Cher's legal team said Allman was unable to manage his financial assets. The next hearing for the petition is scheduled for January 29th. I'm Jim Forbes. Tesla, they can't seem to catch a break. Regulators announcing another major recall impacting Elon Musk's electric vehicle company. This time around, more than 1.6 million electric vehicles exported to China are being recalled. The recall involves Tesla's Model 3, Model S, Model X, and Model Y vehicles, with China state officials warning drivers can, quote, misuse a driving assistance feature that ultimately could increase the risk of a crash. This comes one month after Tesla recalled millions of vehicles sold in the U.S. in order to fix a defective system designed to ensure drivers are paying attention when in autopilot mode. I'm Jim Forbes. President Biden says the bipartisan funding deal that was announced last night will bring the government closer to stopping a needless government shutdown. Biden released a statement saying that it will protect important national priorities, adding that congressional Republicans must now do their job. Sunday, congressional leaders announced a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made a joint announcement of the nearly $1.7 trillion deal. The spending agreement will reportedly keep a number of domestic and social programs funded despite GOP calls for extreme budget cuts. I'm Chris Caraccio. Today in history was the only day that the U.S. was out of debt. Bree Tennis explains. It happened January 8th in 1835 when President Andrew Jackson paid off the entire national debt. That was the first time in the country's history that happened. Historians say he did it with government spending control and congressional appropriations. Right now, the national debt is $34 trillion, but Steady.com says America's debt fuels all other debts, and if if we wiped it out, the result would devalue the dollar. I'm Bree Tennis. WABC News Time 526. The NFL remains king of the U.S. airwaves. Nielsen reports 93 of the top 100 most watched TV broadcasts last year were NFL games. That number is up from 82 in 2022 at the top of the list. No surprise, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57, which was watched by 115 million people. The 81st Golden Globes, they were last night. Uh, here's a recap. 
Celebrities packed the Beverly Hilton Hotel Sunday night to celebrate this year's best films, television shows, actors, and actresses. Oppenheimer won the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama, while Poor Things won for Best Musical or Comedy Motion Picture. Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas accepted an award for their song, What Was I Made For?, which was listed as Best Original Song for the Barbie Movie, while Christopher Nolan won an award for Best Motion Picture Director for Oppenheimer. Some other big wins of the night included Ricky Gervais for Best Performance in a Stand-Up Comedy on Television and Barbie for Cinematic and Box Office Achievement. Both were new categories at the Golden Globes. I'm Chris Caraggio. Wall Street closing Friday with stocks lower. This comes after the Nasdaq had its worst day since October on Tuesday. It came after Barclays downgraded Apple. At the closing bell, the Dow dropped 284 points. S&P 500 fell 38. Nasdaq dropped 173 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, January 8th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, high 44. Tonight and overnight, few passing clouds, low 33. And then the next storm system, it moves in Tuesday. It's going to be a lot of rain because it's going to be too warm to snow. Showers in the morning, steady rain in the afternoon. High winds are going to be an issue as well. We'll get into that. The high 49. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 33 partly cloudy. In Rye up in Westchester County, 36 partly cloudy in Bordentown down in New Jersey, and it is 35 and partly cloudy outside our Midtown studios. Let's start with the cleanup from the storm. Now, here in the city, it was nothing. It was just rain and not snow that did not stick anywhere really in the city. Only 0.2 inch of rain fell in Central Park before or rather of snow until the changeover to rain on Saturday into Sunday. So New York City streak of up to 692 days without at least a uh, one inch measurable snow is uh, still on the books in New Jersey. They are worried about flooding again from the snow melt. And some places in New Jersey got like three to five inches. But now they're worried because it's going to get warm. This is going to melt. And these rivers are going to crest again. This woman is in Oakland. She lives near the Ramapo River. You know, at this point, we've lived here for 12 plus years. I think, you know, we are concerned about our home and how to get in and out in emergencies. And so many of these towns are still cleaning up from that storm. You'll remember right before Christmas when the Passaic River uh, crested way above flood level and just flooded out these homes and towns like Little Falls and Patterson, the mayor of Little Falls. Uh, talking about that he's really worried about the storm that is coming in Tuesday. Fershed Basin of the Passaic River, uh, all seven of these rivers are all expected to see three-plus inches of rain. So all of that water is going to ma- eventually make its way here into the Passaic River as it as it crosses Little Falls. And when you talk to these homeowners who live near the Ramapo River in towns like Oakland, they love living there. I mean, they're just beautiful towns, but they say it may be time to pack up because these storms and this flooding is coming way too often now. We wonder about longer-term viability in living in this town, even though I think it's beautiful. 
But it is, um, it's a concern longer term. All right, let's go around the tri-state looking at how people fared through the storm over the weekend. Up in Chester, New York, the storm fell as all snow. They got about five inches, which, of course, was good news for some workers who have businesses clearing sidewalks and driveways. Well, I should have come out last night and did this so I didn't have to do it all at once. But it's a uh, oh, backbreaker. It's getting heavier now, yeah getting heavier. It wasn't so bad last night, but it's getting heavy. And early this morning, we were getting warnings about icy roads in Orange County, where it is below freezing. They're a little icy with the temperatures dropping and the foot of snow that we had here. The the roads are still pretty snowy. I was like the only car out there. The snow was still coming down. There was a little bit of black ice in our parking lot. I was like slipping everywhere, and I had to put some salt on my driveway because it was also really icy on my driveway. Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse warning that this snow that fell up in Orange County, wet and heavy, and not the easy kind to shovel away. This is the, the, the classical heart attack snow, so either space it out and take your time uh, or ask somebody to come and help you. Yeah, good idea. In uh, Long Island, it mostly fell all as rain over the weekend. And they're worried about flooding as well. In Lindenhurst, Long Island, there was already ponding from the rain over the weekend. And again, this new storm coming in Tuesday could bring anywhere from two to four inches more of rain. And so you have neighbors there who say, geez, maybe we should move out of these towns as well. You can't go out and then you can't put your, you know, the services like trash. You can't put your trash out. It'll float. It'll float all over. Mm. I've seen a I've seen a telephone pole float down the street. Crazy. Yeah, there were some girls uh, last week. They were kayaking. Yeah, look for decades it was great to be on the water, but we are in these new weather systems now that have led to a lot of flooding. We are tracking another big storm on the heels of this next one. The next system looks to hit Tuesday into Wednesday, and with temperatures expected to be warm, that'll mean a flooding rainfall on top of any snow that is accumulated and could melt. Uh, of course, a lot of people were really excited about this storm, I and mean, we were here in the city hoping to get some real snow. We did not, but for the people who did, uh, it was pretty great. They say uh, they don't mind shoveling it. It's, of course, great for sledding, and it's just pretty, at least initially when it falls, uh, before it all starts turning black and brown. It's just really nice to see it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winter baby myself. I'm born December 15th, so, you know, I'm just really happy to see some snow out here. All right, and we're going to follow this storm. We'll get more information from the National Weather Service as it gets closer, but it looks like it's going to be a drenching rain from Tuesday into Wednesday. Of course, keep it here, 77 WABC for all the details. WABC News Time 538. Let's go up to Yonkers. A high school girls basketball coach and Yonkers has been dismissed from his job after players on his team shot anti-Semitic slurs at their Jewish opponents who in the end needed security guards to escort them off the court to safety. It was the girls varsity team from LaFell School, which is a private Jewish school in Hartsdale. They were playing Roosevelt High, which is a public school in Yonkers. Apparently during in the game, the Yonkers players started screaming things like, I support Hamas, you effing Jew. Uh, the, from the onset, there was a lot of hostility, aggression, uh, jabs, more jabs thrown on by players than normally are during these games. At one point, uh, a senior player on the Jewish team, Robin Bosworth, said she felt um, this was no longer fun. And at the end of the third quarter, her teammates who were getting injured by rough plays decided it was time to leave the court. And as they did, players from the other team yelled, free Palestine and other 
anti-Semitic slurs and curses at them. The uh, coach of the team at LaFell said he had never seen anything like this in all the years that he had coached. Uh, Roosevelt High has now agreed to voluntarily forfeit that game. Uh, the principal at Roosevelt apologizing to the students at LaFell, saying this is unacceptable behavior and that there'll be punishment coming soon. 540. Ricardo Reyes apparently been wandering the West East Village for a couple of days now. He's a migrant who came here from Honduras hoping to get help at an intake center in the East Village. His time ran out his 30 days of shelter. He got into line to get 30 more, but the line is so long outside the St. Bridget's School that he doesn't know what's going to happen now. I don't have nothing. I don't have house. I don't have, I don't have family. I don't have nothing, you know. He says close. Yeah, maybe I'll sleep in park. Yeah, it's too much cold, you know. No eat. Three days, no eat. We were watching this line in the East Village over the weekend. It got very intense. One guy apparently tried to cut the line, and a fight broke out. We see uh, all these migrants, asylum seekers, police officers had to break it up. Uh, Crystal Gordon, she lives on the block where this line just snakes around the entire block. It's always altercations with them because they're, they're trying to fight for survival. They're fighting for survival, so, you know, it's going to be altercations because it's, it's unorganized. Immigration advocates anticipating a lot more chaos this week when the first wave of migrant families run out of time in the shelter system. The city issuing more than 4,000 notices of asylum seekers with children, warning their 60-day limit is set to expire. The New York Immigration Coalition says the city's short-term fix is failing these families who may end up on the streets. 541, a warning being issued to neighbors following a series of armed muggings at a Bronx park. The NYPD says two women and a man targeted in broad daylight muggings at Van Cortland Park last month. It's an amazing park. Uh, It's a shame that this is going on. I don't carry a wallet with me. Um, Not having a phone is a hard thing. Of course, what's most concerning to police is all three of these crimes happened midday in the afternoon. The first one came December 13th, when a man jogging on Forest Trail inside the park had a cell phone and running belt snatched by somebody, and they all left on mopeds. Detectives say things got even more serious six days later when a mugger on a dirt bike showed a knife and robbed a woman of her cell phone. Then on Christmas Eve, there was a similar incident. A mugger pulled up behind a jogger on a trail and displayed a screwdriver before getting away with a cell phone. So now police warning the people who jog or walk their dog in this park to be careful no matter what time of day. Dude has a knife and is holding people sort of up for their phones at knife point. Um, Not great. Even runners say they've been warned by police to run in groups now. They have suggested to run in groups because if you're by yourself, you you become a target. Watching on yesterday as park police were seen patrolling the area in Van Cortland, hoping to find the people who are behind these muggins. 543, out to Nassau County on Long Island. Nassau police say a man and a woman tied up by two people with guns who broke into their Beth Page home. This was early Sunday. They say the two men entered the home on Normandy Drive through a basement window about 2 a.m. Of course, you might guess neighbors are freaked out to hear this took place. It's very terrifying to have something like that happen within walking distance of your own home. We moved here and everybody's in nice, but I'm not sure 
I'm not sure. This is very, like, strange. This is what police tell us. They tied up the hands of these two victims who were both 62 years old. They kept the victims in the bedroom while they went around the house looking for anything they can, all kinds of items to steal. Here's some more from neighbors. That makes me want to put some security down there even more now. I mean, we always have a full house, but still, you never know what can happen. The one piece of good news is uh, nobody was seriously hurt. Not immediately clear exactly what these muggers or thieves took from the home. Police still searching for the man as of last night. Let's bring it back into the city. The NTSB over the weekend saying human error may be to blame for Thursday's subway crash and derailment on the Upper West Side that injured 24. This is the second accident on New York City Transit's property in 37 days. That's not typical. Yet comes just five weeks after a track worker was hit by a train. As you've heard from Joe Nolan, the good news is everything running smoothly today. But Thursday afternoon, two trains just north of 96th Street collided, injuring 24. Thankfully, all of those injuries were minor. A lot of the people who were on that train were kids because it took place just as school was letting out on the Upper West Side. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Mullen. Start here on the gridiron in Week 18 action in the NFL. Where during the early afternoon slate in New England, the Jets snapped a 15-game losing streak against the Patriots with a 17-3 win to end off their year at 7-10 overall. One of the few bright spots for New York this season, Brees Hall rushed for a career-high 178 yards and a late touchdown and a rat to the win. But the real questions arose after the game regarding the Patriots and head coach Bill Belichick. Following the end to his most tenuous season as an NFL coach, it still remains very much unclear whether he'll ever do it again for New England. The home loss could have been Belichick's final game with the franchise for which he hoisted six Lombardi trophies. At MetLife, the Giants end their season at 6-11 and overall after upsetting the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 27-10, to 10, although not much of an upset with the way the Eagles have been playing as of late. Although the Giants uh, wrap out the year with the win, it was really more about the utter spiraling out of control, the collapse that Philadelphia has endured the last five weeks from the best team in the NFL for the bulk of the season to one of the worst ones down the stretch. The Eagles are suddenly on the brink of a potential offseason of upheaval. We'll see what happens against, uh, against the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay next week for that wild card round in the playoffs. What are the Eagle players saying in the locker room? Anything? Well, no, because then it would, you know, I mean, you don't want to start an, an, an actual real-life dumpster fire, dumpster fire before the playoffs begin. But uh, they have to do that post-game press conference. What are they saying yeah, during that? They say the same thing they've been saying for six weeks. No, you know, we got to get back to the drawing board. It's uh, not, not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you can get back up. I mean, it's a motivational quotes book stuff. Right. It's It's like it's, you know, I mean, and the fans aren't stupid. So we watch it, and it's getting old really, really fast. You know, when you're not winning games, the uh, the philosophical uh, post-game quotes out of Jalen Hurts don't seem to resonate much anymore. I bet they don't. Yeah. So the Eagles, they will see uh, Tampa Bay next Monday night. Uh, they're the 5 seed. Tampa's the 4 seed. The rest of the NFC playoffs shakes out as follows. San Francisco gets the bye in the 1 seed, while the 2 seed Cowboys get the 7 seed Packers and the 3 seed Lions draw the 6 seed Rams. In the AFC, Baltimore earns the bye, or earns the bye, I should say, and the 1 seed, while the 2 seed Bills get the 7 seed Steelers. The 3 seed Chiefs draw the 6 seed Dolphins, and the 4 seed Texans will host the 5 seed Browns. And looking ahead to tonight. Wait, let me ask you something. Yes, go ahead. Who do you think is going to be. Uh in the Super Bowl. Is it going to be the Ravens versus the Lions? The Ravens versus the Lions? Oh, no, 49ers? I, I think it'll be the Ravens versus the 49ers. Oh, the mm. Lions do look all right. The Lions look really, really good, actually. It's a 12-1 football team right there. Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan Campbell's a heck of a head coach, in my opinion, and uh, Jared Goff is uh, 
really, for some reason, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. So I would look out for uh, the Detroit Lions in the NFC as well. But San Francisco, too they, good. they've got it all from head to toe. We'll see. We'll see. Anything could happen in the playoffs, no? Out in the AFC, Baltimore does earn that one seed, and uh, they'll get the two-seed Bills, or, or the two, or I should say the Bills get the two-seed, they'll get the seven-seed Steelers, and the three-seed Chiefs draw the six-seed Dolphins, and the four-seed Texans host the five-seed Browns. Looking ahead to tonight at the collegiate level, we've got the granddaddy of them all to look forward to in the national championship game between number two uh, Washington and number one Michigan. Kickoff there scheduled for 7.30, and uh, Michigan heads in as four-and-a-half-point favorites. On the hardwood last night in Brooklyn, the Nets fell to the Portland Trailblazers by a score of 134-127 to 127 in overtime. And on the ice, no local action last night, but we got Rangers hockey to look forward to this evening at the Garden. They'll face off with the visiting Vancouver Canucks at 7 p.m. tonight. That's Sports Note, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. You'll be paying 63 cents more today to go through the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey crossings. The toll for Easy Pass users can increase by 4.3% from 15 bucks and 38 cents, or rather, uh, from $14.75 to $15.38 during peak hours. Drivers during off-peak hours will see a 4.9% bike from uh, $12.75 to $13.38. And drivers say, okay, $0.63, cents, not a whole lot. It ends up being about 151 bucks a year when all said and done. But they're more worried about this on top of congestion pricing, which likely will impact them come the spring. Right. Right now is not the time that everyone needs to spend a little extra money, but um, I know the city has to do what they have to do. People are getting hit hard. There's a lot of people out of work now, and people that are traveling to work, back and forth to work, you know, they've got to pay a little bit more, and their salaries are just not meeting it. And there are a bunch of lawsuits trying to stop this congestion pricing from taking place. You have Staten Island who wants to sue, New Jersey suing. Now the New York City Teachers Union says they're supporting a legal challenge against the MTA's congestion pricing plan. New York Post reports that the United Federation of Teachers is leading a lawsuit against the MTA providing lawyers and picking up the tab for associated costs. The suit argues that the essential public servants including teachers would bear the burden of the MTA's new price hikes. Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella spoke about some of the other issues with the plan on WABC's Cats and Cosby. Air pollution will get worse and get progressively worse over the next 22 years, and we'll have to pay for it. The MTA claims the fundraising effort is necessary to make improvements across the board. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. All right, let's go out to Portland where we had this crazy plane incident over the weekend. Uh, an Alaska Airlines flight taking off from Portland on its way to Ontario when a chunk of the plane blew off. It was about the size of refrigerator, just a hole in the flight as people were sitting in their seats. Here's the NTSB's chair who... Uh, was on the scene yesterday trying to figure out exactly what took place. Everybody's up and walking. Folks don't. She's talking here about what could have happened if the flight had been at a higher altitude. It was still in takeoff mode when this chunk of plane fell off. Everybody's up and walking. Folks don't have seatbelts on. Uh, They're going to uh, restrooms. The flight attendants 
are providing service to passengers, we could have end up with, ended up with something so much more tragic and re- really fortunate that that did not occur here. Yeah, the amazing part of this story is all 171 people on this flight are okay. They were able to turn the flight around, go back to Portland for an emergency landing. Reaction to the incident coming swiftly with the NTSB investigating. The FAA is requiring immediate inspections of certain Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes before they can return to flight. That's correspondent Dana Griffin. Alaska Airlines immediately grounded its 737 MAX 9s for inspection. The airline says it has already checked a quarter of its fleet with no concerning findings and that aircraft will return to service as their inspections are completed with our full confidence. Flyers giving high praise to the crew, the staff that was on this flight, keeping everybody calm. The lights went out. The oxygen masks came down. Here was a person who was aboard. His name's Evan Smith. There was, I guess, a boy and his mother were sitting in that row and his shirt was sucked off him and out of the plane. Yeah, uh, some really frightening moments. Uh, cell phones going out this hole. Amazingly, no passengers, thankfully. They were all seat belted down uh, as this flight turned around and made its emergency landing in Portland. You heard a big loud bang to left rear rear like in row 20. And a whooshing sound and all the oxygen masks deployed. You could see later that there was a two-window section panel that blew out. It's about as wide as a refrigerator and about two-thirds as high. We are emergency. We are depressurized. We do need to return back to. We have 177 passengers. Yeah, so they did make their way back to the airport. Uh, EMTs there uh, waiting for their arrival, and they say everybody on board was okay for just really minor injuries. So now they'll investigate what exactly took place. Let's bring it back home. Workers at Empower Solar, a Long Island-based solar panel business, have accused the company now of union busting. The claim comes after 40% of Empower's workforce was furloughed for over a year shortly after a successful union election. The employees who voted to join UAW Local 259 claim the furlough is a tactic to discourage workers from unionizing. Protesters gathered at the company headquarters in Beth Page over the weekend. In a time where we've watched all of our grocery bills go up and all of our wages stay the same. Empower Solar denies any connection between the furlough and the union vote, citing a slowdown in business due to economic conditions. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Governor Hochul announcing a six-point plan to tackle New York's maternal and infant mortality crisis. It's the governor's third proposal of her 2024 state of the state and calls for 40 hours of paid leave for prenatal care, making New York the first in the nation to establish this kind of coverage. And our data shows that prenatal care makes all the difference. It improves the odds dramatically. Of having a healthy pregnancy. The plan also includes new legislation to allow access to doulas without a referral and accountability measures to crack down on unnecessary C-sections. Well, they're childbirth experts who provide physical, emotional, informational support to pregnant moms, new moms. A C-section can have higher risks, higher complications, harder to get pregnant again and further complications beyond. This will help 1.3 million New Yorkers who are enrolled in the essential plans or our qualified health plans. And now they'll be able to get the care they need without a single copay or cost-sharing measure. And finally, there were honors for a firefighter who suffered a deadly head injury during training on Sunday. 
FDNY holding a plaque dedication ceremony to commemorate Billy Moon. Moon, you might remember, was the 20-year veteran of the department when he had that accident at the end of 2022. Moon's widow said he was a vibrant man who touched many lives. A brother who knew exactly which buttons to push and when to push them. A son who would follow in his father's footsteps as a volunteer. A fireman who was committed to serving and helping others. An all-around driven man. A mentor. I had the honor to speak with Moon's wife uh, last year. Uh, he, the amazing part is he even saved lives with his own death by donating his organs.